the Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Hey folks, Jason Bond behind the mic in the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom Allen's here. I still don't have a good intro for Tom, but Tom is here nonetheless. Tom, thank you for spending your afternoon in the Cap Center. What's up? And by the way, the podcast studio is in the Cap Center. It is. It's in the corner. Drew Golson is also with us this afternoon, so we're going to talk about irrigation. Drew, good to see you. Good afternoon. How are y'all? Drew, when did we, when's the last time we did a podcast with you? It's probably last summer, middle of irrigation. Okay. Drew, since it's been a while that you've been in the podcast studio, why don't you give us a rundown as to what's going on down at the West Farm? Yeah, so the the Water Center, or the, the full name is the National Center for Alluvial Aquifer Research. And what's the acronym? NCAR. NCAR. Not to confuse with NASCAR or NCAA if you try to start Googling some of that. <laughs> or NWAC. Or NWAC. Which is the, the, I almost said water center, the Catfish Center, National Warm Water Aquaculture Center. We like those abbreviations. Man. The REC, that's simple. It is simple and it hasn't changed. And in addition to those new titles, you have a new role at the water center yes the coordinator for the msu side and so it similar to NWAC or the catfish center it's joint effort um, collaborative agreement effort between usda ars and mississippi state and so we have faculty or scientists from both ars and mississippi state really focused on you know water irrigation water use efficiency uh, water quality and, and and those things and so we have several scientists, faculty members from Mississippi State that focus on different areas, economists, uh, soil scientists, um, irrigation engineer, and the same with ARS, working as a collaborative effort to, to really focus on specific water, water needs here in Mississippi Delta. How many folks are down there, like total? M- MSU, we have five. Okay. And ARS, there is currently six. Wow. With some on tap to positions being opened. And there are some students housed down there as well. How many students are down there? How many students? We probably have about five students. That's pretty good. A lot of good, pro- just, yeah, a lot of good projects are getting, getting rolling. It's been good. I haven't been through that building in a while, but neither have I. Is there that many desks in there? No. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew I'd get a rise out of you with that one. Well, they had recently completed numerous renovations to that campus for lack of a better term and and we started yesterday on more wow it's a lot going on new labs this is we're 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 doing some lab renovations now which is going to be very nice to have i'm glad drew is the west farm water center coordinator and i'm not i would echo that statement i'm comfortable with podcast flunky Drew, that's not why we got you in here today. We got you in here to talk about your other job, which is irrigation specialist. But before we start, I can ask you a question. What do you do if you go to your refrigerator, open the freezer, and there's a live penguin? Freezer, live penguin. In the freezer. Yep. I guess you shut it. I don't know. (laughs) Tom, what do you do with a live penguin in the freezer? Well, shut it is definitely an option. 
I'd probably start asking it exactly where it had come from, but I'm not exactly sure that it's planning on answering that question. <laughs> I, th- I just got the dude, I got a picture just hanging out. I'm just impressed you got that out because you've you've tried that exact same question previously and you couldn't even I get have. the last so what do out you of do your mouth. With all the time that you've had to think about that scenario. Because you did have to amp I don't yourself know, up. I don't know what I do because I can't get past. So, so we got the drawer, you know, the freezer on the refrigerators, the drawer at the bottom, whatever you call that style of refrigerator freezer. And I just got it pictured opening that drawer and the little pink would just sitting up and looking at me. And that's as far as I get. So I don't know what exactly I do because I just crack up thinking about that. It's got to be one of the little guys, right? It can't be one of those big Emperor those big penguin. Ones. And I don't even know all the names of the penguins. I'd have to defer yeah, to my wife on all of those. Like the eight inch model. Eight inch model. <laughs> they don't they don't come in models. They're species, Jason. Right. I was just glad I pulled it off this week. Literally, that's like the third time. No, second time, I guess. I've tried that one. Second official time. I tried it with Irby. I couldn't even get it out of my mouth. Interestingly <laughs> enough, he was planning on holding that one for Don Cook. Oh, I was, wasn't I? That would be an interesting response. Dang, you, you would were. back up and do another one? No, no. Whatever Don says he would do is probably what I would <laughs> revert back to. That's what probably needs to be done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now do irrigation. My work here is done. <laughs> Your work is done? Yes. I've just listened to a conversation between you and Drew about water and stuff. All right, Drew, let's, let's talk irrigation. Let's talk irrigation looking ahead into the 2021 season. What do farmers, consultants, ag retailers, and dealers really need to consider as important new technology as it relates to irrigation? For this year, uh, specifically for 2021 in irrigation, it is going to be that Pipe Planner has come out with a new version. They, they've updated uh, their software that uh, is going to be the computer household selection going to based on flow and, and friction loss and elevation changes that you can put in. It's going to give you a whole size. They've updated their version and it's a, it's a really a, a new look uh, to it. And, and hopefully it's, it's easier and a little more intuitive um, than the past versions. So is there a link that they could download that specifically? Has that been released? I guess it has be been first. released. Um, and if you go to uh, your, your pipeplanner.com, there's going to be a, a, a button there that you're going to click on for the new version. Easy to find. And they still have their old version. Uh, you're not going to lose your, all your old plans. It's still in there that you can click on and, and keep all that. So it's really going to be the new the new applications and the new fields you'll be adding to it's going to be within a new version. So I would assume then that's just more or less an update then between those two software packages. It's an update, but it's a new version. Okay, that, that makes <laughs> we no, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, it's revamped. And obviously, you've spent a little bit of time with it. It's relatively new. Um, so this season is the first time we've been putting it into practice. Uh, it's supposed to be a little more user friendly or uh, mobile phone friendly, iPad. Uh, friendly to be able to put in some of these measurements while you're standing out in the field. I think it's going to be very helpful. Drew, with the updated version of the program, new new program, what are some of the key differences between the old version and the new version? So when folks log into the new one, what can they expect to see different yeah. from what they're accustomed to? So it, it will look different, um, different 
really different flow too. So, it, but it's, it's supposed to be more intuitive. And so kind of your next steps as you start putting those inputs into it, it it's, it's going to walk you through each one of those steps a little easier instead of really needing to know your way around and what to do next. It's going to, it's going to pop up. It's going to show you things that are right in front of you, a little more intuitive and someone brand new going into this is it's going to be a lot easier for them to go through the process. And they've added a few other add-ons to it, like keeping tabs of irrigation schedule. So when you irrigate, you can put it in there and it keeps up with, so a little, uh, nice little add-ons in there to, for, from a scheduling or bookkeeping standpoint. Well, and any of those are helpful because I think that's oftentimes one of the questions that are, is more than likely posed to y'all for your irrigation information as to how do we keep track of that? Can we make that a little bit easier? Right, right. No, that, that's going to be nice to have. You can upload shape files into the program uh, so you can get your elevations that way. Uh, it makes it nice and easy. If you start to think about that and the number of fields that guys have on farms and then trying to track everything with something like Pipe Planner and then the other you know, tools that are available now for irrigation, there's just a lot of stuff to keep up with and manage and anything you can do to simplify that process That's is good. Cause I mean, it can, I, mean, I guess I've ever really sat down and thought about that. You know, the number of fields that are individual units, you know, we talked with Trent, we were talking about dicamba applications, Tom, and the record keeping that is required for those now, which can certainly get laborious and, and bog you down. But then this is kind of on an equal level. There's a lot of things to track now related to irrigation. Well, and I would imagine farmers have different, each farmer does things differently. Some may be really meticulous record keepers and some may not be so meticulous record keepers. We, we kind of have the similar thing in the science field. Yeah, and just from a water use, water management standpoint, to know how long we turned on the well and how long we ran it to how much we applied to that field tells us a lot of information of how much it's what we applied to that field what, versus what it, you know, what we expected to apply to it. If it, you know, if it ran off too quickly, we didn't get enough water infiltrated in the field or, or the other way. But also when you have, like you're talking about, if you have tons of wells or you've got large acreage and, and with multiple wells and, and trying to keep up with when was the last, I mean, it sounds crazy, but when was the last time I, I ran this well? I can't, we, we want to encourage them to schedule with soil moisture sensors and then you have them off you're, you're scheduling based on different different reasons as opposed to it's Monday and then you come back around record keeping of uh, as, as something as simple as I ran it on this date uh, for this long is is very important and I think traditionally like you said it's Monday this water this field or this set or this set of fields on Monday and you know assuming it doesn't rain it's on some kind of five, seven, ten-day schedule, depending on all the things that it depends on. So you mentioned the moisture sensors. Do we have any new technology related to those? So watermark sensors is what we use quite a bit around here and, and very popular to use and, and, and pretty easy to use and, and, and relatively cheap to install. The technology is really on the on the telemetry side, reading those sensors from, from your computer, from your iPhone, from your iPad. And there's a lot of different options from that standpoint. So we have watermark sensors, and that technology has been around for a long time. Um, but we do have multiple options and more and more options coming on with the uh, telemetry side of things. And they all have different looks, different feels, different functions, charts that you can put in there. 
but finding that right one and cost is a big player in that as well. Since it's been a while since we've talked about irrigation on the podcast, Drew, and thinking about moisture sensors, and we're just getting beginning to spin up on irrigation, just give us a quick explanation of what a moisture sensor does for people that may not have used them in the past. Soil moisture sensors are going to tell you or indirectly tell you how much moisture is in your soil, and you're going to have those at different depths. So based on the growth of, of those roots, um, we recommend 6, uh, 12, 24 going down to those depths. And it's going to see what moisture is down in the soil to help determine irrigation scheduling. But in addition to that, you know, that, that's the kind of the main, main crux of using soil moisture sensors is schedule irrigation. But at the same time, we can, we can use those sensors to look at effective rainfall. If this rainfall, you know, as we get into irrigation season and we're, we're in our schedules and we have a rainfall event, you know, how far did it get down? Did it recharge that profile all the way? Can we start back or did it maybe push us back two to three days? Really scheduling irrigation based on that need within that soil and what the what the plants are showing that their needs are instead of, like you said, it's Monday. And so are those installed in just a single field or a set of fields? That's the number one question is how many do I need? And really, you know, if you ask, you know, an irrigation engineer or somebody that spends their life looking at soil moisture sensors, it, you know, you have so much soil variability, you know, you, your elevation changes, your field types, your... Uh, in your, all the different variabilities, the soil variability within a field, you can use a lot. Functionally, I mean, it's just not going to work that way. If we can, put a soil moisture sensor set per well. And then we can schedule that irrigation set, those sets, off of that well, off of one soil moisture sensor set within that. We do want cr- same crop type, um, same, you know, similar planting date and varieties to make sure, because when we talk about how the plant's using that water and pulling that water out of that moisture, we want that to represent the other fields that we may be scheduling off of. Because at the end of the day, the well is kind of the limiting The well is a limiting factor. There's one well and a bunch of everything else. In an ideal situation, if we could have a set of um, sensors off of one well, that would be great. Now, some cases, that's also not not something that's been able to do and just trying to you know, if you have some similar similar crop, similar similar planting date, um, or vers- you know, you get similar planting date and, and same type of crop in a in a general same area, we can work and try to try to use that same information. But if we can get it per well, that'd be great. And do you want that a general distance from a turn row into a field? How far into the field would you prefer to see? We try that? to go. You know, this is I'm all referring furrow irrigation in this sense, but you know, two thirds down the furrow. And a couple passes, planter passes into the field and avoid traffic rows because that water is going to go down that a lot quicker. That's a general sense. But you also want the the soil type that's going to be most representative of that field. 6, 12, and 24 24, inches. 24. And we go down 36, but typically we'll schedule off 6, 12, and 24. How do you install them? We use a soil probe with a slide hammer. And we just, you go down and mark your settings and put one down for six one down for 12 and one down for 24 so relatively easy pretty easy installation and we do have new extension publications uh, fact sheets that goes over those two questions location in field and how to install those on the mississippi crop situation blog yes and it's probably a great time to repost those that would be good moving into the season and at least get any of that new information out there as it relates to those 
along with the moisture sensors, you mentioned the options with telemetry. So are there some of those that have proven to be more reliable or more popular than others? There's some more popular. I don't know about more reliable. For the most part, they're taking the data from the soil, from the sensor itself and just displaying it differently. Um, so really a lot of that fault falls into preferences of how you want to use it. What, you know, Some maybe have an Apple app and, and versus uh, Android or an iOS versus Android and some you know, look a little bit better on the computer. Uh, but we do have a soil moisture sensor showcase on the Water Center's website where we have all those different telemetry options up there with username and passwords given so that someone can go in there, log in, try different ones, and look at those different fields, the different platforms, and be able to see which, maybe which one fits, fits their preferences a little bit better. For each of those apps, then, how are those data transmitted from the field to your mobile device or computer? It'd be like cell service, or um, there is some radio. And, and then also with the going into that same question, there's with that showcase, you can go out and look at the different um, hardware that's going to go with each one. They're going to look a little bit different. But kind of playing into that same question is that some will have soil moisture sensors where you put them in the field and they have a base station and they all relay to that base station where you can put multiple sets of irriga- uh, multiple sets of sensors tied into one base station and pay one subscription off that one base station if you have a group of fields or a group of areas where you can put those that are all in the general the general area so like those are all the differences there's a bunch of different differences based on what kind of preferences you want based on space based on uh, looks and feel but also the hardware it's like game cameras. It's very similar to that. That's right. With the game cameras, you can do like a three-month, four-month or whatever, or bi-month. Right. Most, most of these companies are going to be a seasonal subscription, and that'll, that'll cover the growing season. Gotcha. Usually like six months or so. And one of those normally run just ballpark figure? Ballpark between uh, 150, 170. You know, in years past, Drew, I think you've done some displays outside, and I think you may have alluded to that, outside of the water center. What, are those still available for ag-related individuals to go look at? Yes. Going off that same the soil moisture sensor showcase that you can get online and, and put in your username and password and look at the different platforms, those same sensors will be installed. We'll be installing them shortly, but we those will be out in the field next to the water center building where you can go out and look at each, and they'll be just in a row, and you can look at each individual uh, soil moisture sensor and, and the telemetry package that goes with that, and they're, they're all going to be looking different. So we can go out and take a look at any, they can look at any time, and then hopefully we'll have a scheduled uh, program where we can go out and, and compare and, and have an um, educational program looking at each of those options with the soil moisture sensors. And if anybody had a specific question for you, you're, you're pretty easy to track down or they could get in touch with Mark Henry as well. On, Anytime, on yes, yes. And for folks that aren't familiar with the Stoneville area, the water center, we call it the West Farm. In years past, it was the Monsanto Farm. If you're familiar with that facility at all, it's the same facility. So it's about, what, Drew, three miles or so? Right, about that, three miles West, down Old Leland Road. West of Stoneville on Old Leland Road. So if you leave out of Leland on Old Leland Road going toward Greenville, you really you can't miss it. it it'll be on the right-hand side of the road. That's before the big bend that crosses the railroad tracks. Yeah. When would be a good time to start considering installation of sensors? Because obviously that differs a little bit by crop. It does. We want to be able to see when 
and, and make sure we get a uniform um, area where we install those soil moisture sensors so that we have a representative water use of those plants. And so once we begin to see what that uniformity looks like and not letting them get too tall so that uh, we're going to be disturbing any roots systems as we get those down into the ground. So kind of hovering that window between not knowing where the plants are going to be and looking at uniformity, but not getting it too tall to where we're going to be um, disturbing those soil mo- uh, those, those root systems. Because obviously corn would probably be first on the list. Right. Install your, your corn first, especially, you know, it's going to be planted first and then, soil mo- uh, then your uh, soybean fields. Any specific growth stage to focus yeah, on? You can install corn? your soil moisture sensors and then put them in there. And then when you're done with, um, going through the field, then we can install those all those other, what we talked about with the hardware and the telemetry package, um, packages in there that's going to be pretty big and bulky, bulky, and we don't want to destroy those as we run through the field. We'd like to continue to thank our regular listeners. We really appreciate the feedback. This is something we definitely enjoy doing. Uh, and it's nice to definitely get the texts and telephone calls where people are talking about it. So with that, sign off this week. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension. Extension.